the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is precisely why Paul did not command the Corinthians to give because they might have given for the wrong reasons. But when there's love in your heart and grace operating and transforming you, you will give. While it is possible to give without love, it is impossible to love without giving. What a great observation. If we love the Lord and his people, we will naturally want to give. That doesn't mean we'll always give to every request or need. That's impossible and unwise. But we will be open to the Lord's leading when we see opportunities. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying 2 Corinthians, and we're in chapter 8, a chapter that talks a lot about money. God had a lot to say on that subject, and we have quite a bit of ground to cover today, so let's get going as Pastor Steve starts wrapping up this three-part message about why we should be generous. Let's look at chapter 13. God did not put this here so that we would include it in wedding ceremonies, although it's certainly valid and nice to do that, but it's not really what it's about. Chapter 13, beginning at verse 1, notice this. Remember, he's talking about these people who were into showy gifts and look at me and boy, I'm spiritual and I want to get the attention. And Paul says, verse verse 1, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just an irritating noise, that's all. People may be impressed, but but God says there's no benefit to that. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy, that would be preaching, and know all mysteries and all knowledge, that would be the gift of knowledge, sort of a scholar's gift. And if I have all faith, that's not just saving faith, that's trusting God for what looks to be a humanly impossible situation. If I have the gift of faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. I'm just noisy gong, it doesn't benefit me at all, I'm nothing, I'm a big zero, is what Paul is saying. Now, in these two verses, Paul gives three specific, he mentions three specific spiritual gifts, speaking gifts, he mentions, teaching, preaching, any other gifts that come in that category. Then he mentions the gift of knowledge, which would be uh, unique insight and understanding of biblical truth. Uh, We would say that scholars have that. And then there's the gift of faith. And as I said, that's the ability to trust God for what uh, looks humanly impossible. Now, as you go back, keep that in mind, back to 2 Corinthians 8. Let's read this again. He says in verse 7, But just as you abound in everything in faith, utterance, and knowledge. He mentions the same three spiritual gifts that he mentioned in chapter 13. It's not in the same order, but it's the same gifts. These Corinthians, he said, they abounded or they overflowed with these spiritual gifts because God had graciously graciously bestowed them on this church. And what he's saying is this is a natural part of the Christian life. It's a natural part 
you came to Christ, you've been gifted, you serve him. But watch this. In addition, and by the way, in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, he says that, that you came behind in no gift. They had all the gifts. They're a very gifted church. But notice as we continue in verse 7, Paul says, not only were you gifted, and are you gifted, and, and God is overflowed in your life with spiritual gifts, but also God had worked in their lives in developing certain qualities and virtues. He says, but just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, those are the spiritual gifts to serve, and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you. The Corinthians overflowed not only with with gifts to serve, but they were earnest, meaning they were zealous. They were diligent. They they had a passion to serve the Lord. And I think he's talking about they, they were responsive to Titus and they had repented of their sins and they were back on track with Paul. And, and that was their new attitude of zeal and overflowing. And I think that's what he means about love too. They overflowed with love. I take it he means with, with love for the apostle Paul, love for Paul. So the Corinthians were a blessed people, absolutely blessed. God had worked in their lives to give them gifts to serve. He had worked in their lives to make them zealous and, and loving of the apostle. His grace had been at work in their lives, transforming them into a group of people who really right now they were on, on track spiritually. They're on the path of obedience. But you know what? Something was lacking. And I think you can guess what that was. They were not generous. It was lacking in their character development. And that's why Paul concludes verse 7 with these words, see that you abound in this gracious work also. In other words, generosity is a part of life. A a human who's been touched by the Lord, a saved person, it's a part of your life that has been transformed by God's grace. It, It all goes together. You cannot separate financial generosity from the other gifts and virtues that come as a result of knowing Christ. That's what he's saying. God has been transforming your character, but you're unbalanced. It's like you you think that generosity is an option. When God transforms a life, he transforms the whole life, every part of you. We're being conformed to the full image of Christ, not a partial image of Christ. But that's what the Corinthians were doing. They, They had put finances and generosity in another compartment. It, it, it really didn't touch their Christian experience. They didn't see giving. Generosity is a vital part and, and work of God in transforming our lives. And I think we're prone to do the same thing. I think we're prone to do the same thing. Somehow we think that generosity is an option in the Christian life. Even people who serve the Lord do this. You know, they might have the attitude, well, I give by my time. I give by my service. I give by my energy. I don't have to give financially. Well, that's not what the Bible says. You're supposed to be zealous. You're supposed to be serving. You're supposed to be loving, but you're also supposed to be giving. It's not an option. It's not an option. God is in the process of transforming us to make us in character like his son. And his son, the Lord Jesus, is a zealous, loving, generous servant. So what's Paul's point? His point is to to not be generous is to be unbalanced, sort of a distorted, somewhat deformed type of a Christian. The reason that we ought to be generous is because generosity is consistent with God's work in our lives. He doesn't do a partial work. 
is doing a complete work in our lives, and that deals with our generosity. So why should we be generous? Because the Macedonians were generous. They're our example. Secondly, because generosity is consistent with God's work in our lives. Otherwise, you will be unbalanced. You'll be distorted. You'll be underdeveloped. You'll be a puny Christian. God wants to develop every aspect of our character. There is a third reason we should be generous, and this is so simple and yet so profound. Paul says, generosity is the proof of our love for other people and for the Lord. It's the proof of love. Notice verse 8. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. Now, did you get that? This is one of the most fascinating verses that I've ever read because it tells us that in spite of how strongly Paul felt about this collection, and he did feel strongly about this, absolutely strong. I mean, there are many statements that he talked about ministering to the poor and taking a collection. He promised the apostles in Jerusalem he'd he'd, uh, take care of the poor. He wrote to the Romans and he said, yeah, you really should be doing this because we have a moral obligation to give back to the Jewish believers. They've given us so much. Paul was passionate about this. And yet, and yet you look at this verse, you know what Paul is saying? As strong as I feel about this, I'm not commanding you to do it. It's not a command. It's not a law. That's an incredible statement. I am not dictating to you that you should do this. Now, Paul was an apostle. He had apostolic authority. He had Christ's delegated authority to enforce this collection on the Corinthians, but he says he's not commanding them to give anything. Wow, you you look at that and say, why not, Paul? It's so meaningful. Why not? I mean, you spent years doing this. Why not? Because generous giving must stem from a willing heart. That's why. Not external compulsion. God in the Old Testament demanded that the people give tithes because that that was law. That was a tax, as I've told you. But you know what? Never did he demand or command a love offering. Never. People gave because they wanted to. They gave spontaneously. They gave voluntarily. They gave out of love. You see, anything other than that, if you dictate giving, folks, that's legalism. That's legalism. It's not grace. Those who are generous are generous because they have been freed up on the inside by God's grace to be generous and not because there's some legal percentage of giving that's been imposed upon them. In fact, that's the whole point of chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. Paul didn't say each one must do as I tell him to do. Each one must give 10%. Each one must give 20%. Each one, He didn't say that at all. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart. Do whatever God has put on your heart to do. Not grudgingly. Don't give it with a resentful attitude because somebody told you you had to give or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves, he loves those. There's a special place in God's heart for those who are cheerful in, in their giving and just say, Lord, I, I love you and this is why I'm giving. See, and I think it's a great lesson for those of us who are leaders in this church that we have to learn from Paul's example. We can encourage people to be generous. We should encourage them. We should, we should teach them and we, and we must teach biblical principles of generosity as we're doing now, but we must never ever resort to demanding anything from reluctant givers. Legalism demands your money even if you have an unwilling heart to give. And, I, and quite frankly, there are churches and, and leaders who do that. They, they say, look, I don't care how you feel. You must give. And if 
It's not enough to remind you from the pulpit. I'll send you a letter telling you. Or we'll take your picture. Remember last week? A little takes your picture. But you know what? Grace never does that. Grace doesn't do that. Grace won't make those demands. Instead, grace appeals to you to give because you love. And if you don't love, then you need to love. But grace doesn't demand. And let me tell you, here, here at Lakeside, you may hear us, as, as Ben mentioned this morning, about the needs. And we'll tell you about needs, but never will we ever demand anything from you. Even when we take a benevolent offering at the end of the Lord's Supper, I always try to say, look, this is, this is something that uh, if you want to participate in, do it. No one's forcing you to do that. That's the way we believe all of our giving should be. Now, we believe strongly that we ought to be generous. I mean, that's what we're saying. But, but we will never demand and never put law upon you because we are saved by grace, we walk by grace, we give by grace, and that grace comes from a heart that, that loves. And that's exactly what Paul said in verse 8 as he went on to say, watch this, I am not speaking this as a command. It's not law, but as proving through the earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love also. Paul's telling the Corinthians that while generosity cannot be dictated by anyone, not even him, it does reveal whether you love people or not. It does reveal that. In fact, he actually says he gives us a test. The, the, um, the word proving means test. Proving, it's a test. And the goal of this test, the objective of, the, of this test was to prove if the Corinthians had genuine love like the Macedonians had. That's what he means when he says, as proving through the earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love. In other words, as proving through the standard of love set by the Macedonians, whether you're loving or not. The Macedonians have set that standard. They've given because of love. Now, are you going to do that as well? That's the test. See, the real proof that you love the Lord as well as people is if you're willing to be generous with your money in supporting the Lord's work and in meeting the needs of others. That's that's exactly what Paul is teaching. In fact, John said it even more pointedly in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. He said, we know love by this. I mean, how do you know if someone really loves? Because they say it? No. Talk is, is cheap. Anyone can say that. But here's how we know love. That he, meaning Christ, laid his life down for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We know that Jesus loved us because, not because he told us he loved us, but because he went to the cross and gave his life for us. And Paul, uh, rather John says, and this is how we know that, that we love. We are ready and willing to lay our lives down for the brethren. I don't think he means that we're going to die. Certainly not in a redemptive sense. I think he, he means that we ought to give of ourselves. It's not in dying so much that we give, it's in living now do we give. And I know that's what he means because he clarifies it in verses 17 and 18. But whoever has the world's goods, here's what it means to lay down your life for the brethren. If you have the world's goods and you see your brother in need, you have it, he needs it, but you close your heart against him, you say, I don't think so, not at all. I mean, we we all do that to a point, but what he's saying is if this is the pattern of life, if this characterizes your life, if you're always shutting your heart to the brethren, then John says, how does the love of God abide in you? It doesn't. If you don't have compassion and love to help in a financial way where you can, then you don't, you've never been touched by God's love because God's love manifests itself that way. And that's why it says in verse 18, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but indeed in truth. You don't just tell somebody you love them, you show it. 
You show it. So the way that we prove that we love people is not simply saying, I I really love you, but by sacrificing something that we have to meet their needs. The Lord Jesus demonstrated his love for us. He gave his life for our benefit. So we demonstrate our love for others by giving up something to benefit them. That's what John is saying. Now, I want to caution you at this point. Very important. Not all giving stems from love. If you love, you always give, but not all giving stems from love because you know what? You can give for the wrong reasons. You can give out of legalism because some spiritual authority kind of imposed it upon you and you feel so guilty that you have to or they'll make it known publicly that you don't or something like that. Or you could also give out of pride to impress others. And there's a lot of that that goes around in Christian circles where people broadcast how much this one gave and that one gave. Uh, Michelle and I years ago were at a banquet in which um, they not only announced who gave, they announced what they gave. And, oh, they all had to applaud because somebody gave so much. And I I thought it was so distasteful and, and wrong. And let me show you why it is. Two passages of Scripture, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus, in this passage, is dealing with disciples and what true righteousness really is as opposed to the hypocritical external righteousness of the Pharisees who loved to be seen by men. Jesus said in verse 1 of Matthew 6, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Listen, if your goal is to impress people, that's your reward. If they applaud you, that's it. You're not getting anything from God. There are no rewards. You got your reward. And then he explains in verse 2, one area this is so relevant in, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you. Could you imagine? I'm about to give, you know, and everyone, oh, look, look, he's giving. And that's that's what the Pharisees did. That's exactly what they did. And Jesus said, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, They, they do it under religious pretense and in the streets. Why? So that they may be honored by men that men would say, my, they're so spiritual. Look how they give. It's like us today. Oh, are the cameras on me? Okay, then I can give. If the cameras are on me, then I'll give. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. That's it. They wanted the applause of men. They got it. Everything they wanted, they got. He said, but when you give, when you give, we as believers, we as true followers, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't make a big deal of it. Don't, don't, don't ask for people to recognize you. Verse four, so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret, he'll reward you. Give privately, give quietly, don't give to impress anybody. So you could, people do give for the wrong reasons. There's another passage, 1 Corinthians 13, which we just looked at. The next verse where Paul speaks about if I do all these things, I'm a big zero if it's not backed by love. Verse 13, verse three rather says this. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, that's not just everything, that's a little bit. That's everything. If I've everything I've got, I give it to the poor. And if I surrender my body to be burned, which probably means as a martyr, but do not have love. Paul said it profits me nothing. There's, there's no reward to that. God's not going to reward me. I did it for the wrong reasons. This is precisely why Paul did not command the Corinthians to give because they might have given for the wrong reasons. 
But when there's love in your heart and grace operating and transforming you, you will give. While it is possible to give without love, it is impossible to love without giving. Did you get that? Impossible to give if you love, impossible to love rather without giving. If you have true affection for the Lord and for his people, then you will be generous because that's the way love operates. That's just the way it is. Let's bow for prayer. Like the Apostle Paul, it is not my intent to make you feel obligated to give. Not at all. No one at Lakeside, as I said, will ever, no one in the leadership will ever put you under bondage to give. But it is my responsibility to present to you biblical reasons why you should be generous in your giving. And I preach to myself as much as I preach to you. We should all be generous because the Macedonians set that godly example for us. That, that's, a, that's a divine pattern established 2,000 years ago. The most unlikely candidates, no one who's without excuse. You're a college student, you're a high school student, you're a senior citizen, all of us. If you make money, a little, a lot, in between, you should be giving, giving generously. You should also be generous because generosity is consistent with God's character development in your life and his work in your life. Just as grace has been at work transforming you into, into a serving Christian, into a zealous Christian, into a loving Christian, so is grace is at work in you transforming you into a generous Christian. It is God's will that you be generous because Christ is generous and we're being conformed to his image. You should also be generous because generosity is simply a mark of an individual who loves Christ and loves Christ's people and has a heart to really help. That's that's part of character development. That's a test. If you don't have that, if you have no concern for anyone else but yourself, but I mean none whatsoever, and nothing moves you, then you know what? You really don't know Christ, and you need you need to know him. You need to know him. He, the Lord Jesus, is the wealthiest one in the entire universe. And yet, he voluntarily became poor so that you might be made spiritually rich. He makes us rich by salvation. That's the riches the Bible is talking about. He makes us rich by salvation. If you have never come to Christ, never turned from your sins, never trusted Jesus as the one who died in your place, then I urge you to do this. We sang before, my hope is based on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's the gospel. That's the heart of the gospel. And I urge you to make sure you know Christ. If you uh, do know Christ, I urge you to be generous. Can't dictate that, but I urge you to be obedient to these truths. Father, thank you for... Your word, thank you for these precious truths, Lord, that give us some substance. We give, Lord, because there are plausible reasons to give. We give because it makes sense to give. We give, Lord, because there's there's a lot of uh, of content behind our giving, and I pray, Lord, that these truths would impact us where we are. I pray that each of us would allow the Spirit of God to search our hearts that we might honor you in this area. 
And I pray for those who don't know Christ. Lord, I pray that the gospel might penetrate their heart even today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was talking the other day with a pastor friend who wanted my opinion on giving special letters of recognition from the pastor to church people who give unusually large gifts. He used to pastor a mega church and got out of that ministry because he was tired of it always being about the budget. So I think he was testing me. In fact, I'm sure of it. No, I said, I think that's a bad idea because if people are giving to get recognition, they're giving for the wrong reason. And as the treasurer, I will personally and privately thank that person while protecting the pastor and everyone else from knowing who it is. We're glad to have had you along today for another verse-by-verse Bible class of the air. Pastor Steve Kreloff, teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is our instructor. If you'd like to know more about Lakeside, visit lakesidechapel.com or call the church at 727-441-1714. For more about Verse by Verse, including giving information and catching up on previous broadcasts, go to versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. Ever heard anyone say put up or shut up? The Apostle James explained that if we have saving faith, it will show in our behavior. The Apostle Paul said that if our love is sincere, it will be demonstrated by our giving. Please join us as Pastor Steve continues this study of generosity next time on Verse by Verse. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.